0: All right, how are we doing? We just we we're gonna have church up in here, right? I mean, was that yeah? I like we we do an Easter in what is it February? We can do Easter whenever we want to because he's risen, church. So um, that's yep, that's exactly right. Yep, he is. Um, and so uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, Acts chapter twelve. Um, Acts chapter 12 is where we'll be Uh, like I said we're in this series of the book of Acts and we're just walking chapter by chapter and so for us this morning this is our second uh, family worship weekend that we've ever had and so um, I'm excited because we've got kids in here and so uh, with that I just want to ease your your thoughts or your worries Uh, with that I know that there's gonna be a little bit more movement a little bit more squirming and hear me we're fine with that we love kids here and we want to invite them into this place they are always welcome here And so with that comes the things that comes with kids. And so some squirming, maybe a little bit more chatter or noise, and I'm fine with that. Um, As we're going to tailor this morning's talk a little bit more toward the family, uh, as we look at what God's doing in his story for his church that thousands of years later we get to be here as a result of what happens here in the book of Acts chapter 12 and so um, I'm excited to see the kids be with you this morning as we get to worship as we get to just look at God's word dive into it and see uh, what he has for us this morning so I'm going to ask you if you'd join me as we pray God I love you or thank you for what you've already done in this place this morning God I just uh, thank you so much for um God, your grace and your mercy, God, I thank you for these kids that have led us this morning, God, for these youth that we have, the privilege and honor of being able to pour into. Jesus, I pray that you move in a mighty way in this place this morning. God, I pray that you change hearts. God, I pray that you convict us. God, I pray that you draw us. God, I pray that you uh, give me boldness to proclaim your truth this morning. God, I pray you just speak through me. God, move me out of the way. Lord, I pray that everything that's said in this place as it regards to your word would be nothing but honor and glory to you. So, Jesus, do a work in here. God, thank you for what you're going to do. God, we love you. We desperately, desperately need you. In then name we pray. Amen. So, this morning in the story uh, that we're going to continue in, in the book of Acts, chapter 12, uh, we're going to talk about prayer. And so my fear is when we talk about prayer, when we think about prayer as the church, is sometimes we, we kind of muddy the waters or we make it a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. Um, and so I believe prayer is one of those areas in whereby we do that. One of those areas whereby uh, we kind of uh, maybe sometimes mess it up a little bit. And you're thinking, how can you mess up prayer? Uh, let, let me give you an example. For me, growing up, I grew up in a small uh, little country church of about uh, 20 on Easter Sunday. And so for us, we would come in uh, week in and week out. And I can remember um, opening up with prayer. And it would usually be one of the men in the church from their seat would stand up and they would pray. Now hear me, those boys could pray. You know what I'm talking about? And so they had that deep resounding voice and they would get loud when they prayed man I'm like yes get their attention up there do this Um, and so they would get loud and they would just pray and it felt like heaven would just come down And, and then there was like some weird elements to it because it seemed like when they prayed they always prayed in King James and I'm like how how that's that, okay that's cool whatever um so they're praying in King James and they would get louder depending upon how uh, urgent it was or how in need it was and so they would they would do those kinds of things their voice deep the volume all of that stuff and I thought man I want to be able to pray like that one day and so I can remember walking away as a kid thinking I've got to get to that place that's what prayer is like I want to be able to do that I thought that's how prayer was supposed to happen. So it wasn't later on until I grew a little bit and had the opportunity to kind of search God's word, had the opportunity to have people pour into me that, that, yeah, that's one way to pray. And I don't know those guys' hearts. I just know that they were men that loved Jesus and that's the way that they prayed. And that was great. But what I learned is that Jesus sees the heart. Jesus sees the motive while we come before him, while we, while we ask what we ask. God is aware and he sees what we do and while we do what we do. And so the easiest way, I think, for me this morning to explain prayer is, is, yes, I believe there'll be times where we stand up and we pray mighty prayers like that. And I believe there'll be times where we are in our prayer closet just crying out before God, asking him to move, asking him to do, asking him to work. I believe that there'll be drive-by prayers. And what I mean by that is simply this. As you're driving in your car, God sparks something on your heart and you just just have that moment of where you drive by, pray, God move here, God do this, God this person just come to my mind, bless them, heal them, do whatever. I believe that I believe it encompasses all of those things as what prayer is. And so, I think the easiest way for me though to describe truly what prayer is is just simply a conversation with your heavenly Father. It's just prayer is whereby the believer talks to Jesus. You talk to him just like you would a friend. Anybody talk on the phone this week? <laughs> This, this isn't like shaming, like, like this, this is good. Like, um, this isn't like a trick, just follow me for a second. It, it, yeah, me too, I talked on the phone. I talked on, And so I believe prayer, that's, that's what prayer is. The way you would talk to a friend, the way you would talk to a buddy, because I'm not sure if you're aware, but in scripture, Jesus says that we're his friends if we're in him. And so I believe it's just a conversation with him, whereby maybe sometimes we get passionate in that conversation, where, whereby sometimes maybe we just talk and speak just like we're speaking right now just somber and and low and just just a conversation with our Heavenly Father. And so you don't have to use big words. And what I've learned is you don't have to be loud because God's hearing isn't off and He doesn't need you to scream. But I think He wants you to scream sometimes. And so I believe it encompasses all of those things. He knows when we talk to Him. And so I believe God wants to do something in new life regarding prayer. I believe that he wants to step in in a major way in the life of our church, and I believe that he will do that, and he will take notice, and he will move as his people pray. This week as I was studying, this week as I was looking through and reading some articles, every major season of awakening in Christianity, whether it's in the church or in a college campus or a workplace, there has been one common denominator in regards to all of those things, and it's been prayer. It's been consistent, passionate, persistent, corporate prayer of the men and women of God whereby they fall on their face and they beg and plead and implore God to move and do something. And I believe that's going to be a picture of us. I believe it has to be a picture of us as a people here at New Life. I believe God has more for us. I believe he has more for this community. I believe he has more for our families, more for his church. And it will only be done as men, women, and I even believe kids as we get serious about praying and seeking our Heavenly Father. So Acts chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 5. I'll kind of get you caught up. What we have here is we have Herod, and he's just roughing up the church. He's going through, and he's just roughing up the church, making it hard for the church. There's a lot of persecution right now. Uh, what we know is he has James, which is uh, John's brother. He has him killed, uh, and the Jews, they love it. They, they celebrate at this reality. They're trying to snuff out the church. They're trying to quiet the church, get rid of the church. And so they've got they've done that to John, and they've got Peter as well in the captivity. Like He is in prison. He's in jail, and he is awaiting to be Uh, uh, executed as well and so he's there guarded by four squads of soldiers Peter and so we get to verse 5 so Peter was kept in prison but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church so the church is aware of what's going on they they see what's happened with uh with James there they see what's taking place what's happened and they're aware of what's going on and so the only thing that, that they think that they can do is pray which I believe that's a great starting place for the church always if there's ever a question ever something that we ever need to be doing where do we start it's always with prayer and so that's what we see the church doing and like I said it's not drive-by prayer it it, it doesn't just kind of cross their mind and they say God do something but look at the word he uses to describe the kind of prayer by which the church is praying he says earnest it's earnest prayer and so that sincere intense conviction is what comes along with that They're seeking God to intervene. They're begging God to intervene. They are imploring him to do something bigger than they could do. So I guess the question I have for us this morning is this. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you were on your face before God and your prayer would be considered that of earnest, that of intense focus, begging God to intervene, intense conviction, so I, I love kids. I've got two of my own. I've got a three-year-old and I've got a six-year-old who's at home right now with a stomach bug. And so um, pray for him and his mama and, um, and me, I need it too. So, um, but I, I love my kids. And one of the things uh, that God has done in my kids is he has taught me a ton, especially in regards to prayer. And so my oldest right now, um, if something happens to him or if he's out playing and he kind of bangs up his knee or he falls as he's prone to do or, or something like that happens, he just, he stops. He says, dad, pray for me. Like the other night we're laying on the couch and he'd come in, it'd been a long day and he'd uh, just all the stuff that he does as a six year old and he comes in, and he's laying on the couch, he's like, All right dad, my head's hurting. I said, All right, buddy, what do we need to do? I said, Do you want me to get you some medicine? He's like, Yeah, he's like, But could you pray for me first? And I said, Yeah, buddy, I'll I'll pray for you. So I go over and I'm I'm gonna lay, like I'm like I'm a I'm a touchy guy, so I'm gonna lay my hands on him and I'm gonna pray and ask God to move and so I do that and I put my hands on his little head and I just pray, God help his headache to go away. And it's like after that he just pops up. I'm like, Do you feel better? He's like, Yep. Yeah. Like, you still need the medicine? I, I'm I'm good right now. I'm like you sure? I'll, God heals that way too, man. No, I'm good. And, but the thing that God has taught me through Him, and, and I got my, my three year old the same way. We're driving down the road road the other day, and he just um he just reaches out his hands like Dad, pray. And so I just and I'm like like this, and I'm like okay, I'm like okay, let's pray. And I just pray for him. It was only in straight stretches. I would not do that in a curve. And so I, I start to pray for him, and just, and I love it. God is just teaching me so much anywhere and everywhere we need to be about prayer. And the thing I love about my six-year-old, and the reason why I tell that story is because like, it's immediately, after we pray, all right, it's done. God heard, he knows, we're, we're good now, let's go. Head, maybe it hurts, maybe it doesn't, but, but we ask God to do something and he's gonna do something because that's, that's God. I just love that, I love that. But, but my question is, when have you been desperate for God to move? When have you pleaded for God to move in a way for his glory, for his honor? And so this is where the church is. They have Peter in custody, and it looks like death is imminent for him. And so I would imagine they're aware of what happened to James. I, I imagine I just can't, can't, can't imagine the feeling that they have, the angst within them. Their leader is in prison, and death looks to be upon him. Verse 6, it says, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So it's the night before, he's going to bring him out and execute him. He's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And uh, centuries before the door, were guarding the prison. So, so get this picture for a second. What we've got here is we've got four soldiers that would rotate their watch on Peter. You've got four highly trained soldiers that would, that would guard this prisoner. and So at all times, you had two guards that would be chained to him. Two guards chained to him inside of his cell while the other two would stand guard outside of his cell and just watch. That's all they would do. Four men on this prisoner to watch and make sure nothing happened, to make sure he didn't escape, to make sure that he was in custody at all times. And look at what happens in verse seven. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. So you have this angel that just shines out of nowhere, lights Peter up, chains comes off, and what happens? He's free. I mean, is this not a crazy story? Church prays, God moves. Church gets serious about something, God takes notice. Man is in prison guarded by four soldiers. It's not like me guarding him, like I'm not a very good guard. Like I'm, I'm ever not these guys. Their life depended upon not losing this prisoner. I mean, this was a culture and a, and a world where you, you didn't let the, the prisoner go free. So they are there watching, chained to this man. His shackles go free. Just a crazy story. Out of nowhere, God just steps in and intervenes. Wow. How is the thought that comes, comes into my mind? I'm just gonna believe because the church prayed. Because the church got serious about something. Because the church over in verse five prayed earnestly. It wasn't just a haphazard. It was almost like my six-year-old with the headache. All right, God, Peter's in prison. We don't know what else to do. I mean, he's our leader. He's the one that you put over us. He's a man of God. I mean, there's great need right now, and we're just gonna ask you to move and intervene, and I can just imagine, and we're gonna see the intensity by which they pray here shortly in the story. And so I'm just gonna believe because the church prayed, prayed earnestly. God took notice, and God moved. And see, that's, that's what I love about family worship weekend, is that we get to be in here this morning and we get to talk about something that the whole family can do, that every single one of us is able to do. And to do together, it's, it's not hard, it's not difficult, it's something that we can gather around every so often and pray together, whether it's around a meal, whether it's just before the kids go to bed, whether, whether it's just in the afternoon, whether there's a great need in the family of, of a decision that has to be made. And so we get to pray and hear me, I believe I'm where I'm at today because I had a grandmother that prayed. I had a grandmother that invested. I had a grandmother that, that would lay her hands on me and pray for me. She lived so close to me, next door to me. I can remember this. I told this story this weekend as I spoke at a men's thing. She was so close to my house that I could fling open the screen door and I could make it to her house before it shut. Now, when I got a little older, I couldn't. But, but, but at the time, when I was a kid, I could make it over there. And I can always remember going in grandma's house and her Bible was always right there. And she'd always have that discussion with me before we went anywhere else or before we talked about anything else. So what's God doing in your life, Scott? What's happening? Have you read? And she she would always do this. She would get the, it was called my daily bread and it was this little devotion and she would always give me this little devotion. And she would, when I got old enough to read, she'd have it. And before I came into her house, we'd always talk about that day's devotion. Oh, you haven't read it? Well, here's my Bible, buddy. Here it is. You can use my daily bread. And then we'd have conversation and she would love on me and she would pray for me. I just believe that did something in my heart. I just believe that God took notice of that and for whatever reason called me to lead and shepherd his church. And so I guess what I wanna press you at this morning, parents, is this, is pray with your kids. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't even have to be good at it. Remember I said it's just a conversation with Jesus. Well, I don't know what to pray about. Pray for them. Pray. The, 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 the begging right now in my, my life, in my heart for my boys is that God would save them is that God would use them, help them to grow, be strong, godly men that were serious about his word, that were serious about uh, making disciples, that were serious about the things that God are serious about. That, that's, that's my uh, ever-going prayer for them right now, is that God would guard them, protect them, keep them from the ways of this world. So pray for your kids. They need to hear that. And I mean, really pray, pray sincerity of heart, relentless, just continue crying out. They need to hear, they need to have a mom and dad that Pray. They need to know of a mom and dad to pray. They need to hear grandparents praying for them. We need to be characterized and marked by, as men and women of prayer. Great devotion and intensity, earnest prayers. We see the church praying here in the book of Acts. That needs to be a description of the church. That needs to be a description of believers. And kids, I wanna encourage you to pray. I and mean, parents need to hear you pray. But I mean, there's nothing that that me all the more is whenever I hear my little boys pray. Like, right now, my three-year-old, and he, he does it at, like, lunch, but right now, my three-year-old, and it's so funny, he's, like, on this police officer kick, and so it's, like, like before we bless the food, I mean, he, he will go, like, roll call with everybody sitting there, and then if, like, the grandparents jump into his head, he'll say their name, but it always starts out with, help the police officers, and he always goes, like, don't let them die, and I'm, like, but, but he'll go down that road, and then he'll go, uh, Nani and Dado and Nina and Papa and Mom and Dad and Uncle B, and he just goes, roll call, and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm hungry, but this is Awesome. And then he says, amen, I'm like, well, about the food, buddy. Oh yeah, that's right, got the food, amen. And then we eat, but I love that. Like, I wanna encourage that. A three-year-old, does he have a clue? Probably not, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to instill in him the need to, to seek God, the need of, of, of dependency on God. I want him to see that. I've got a six-year-old that I'm doing the same thing with. Well, I wanna see them, I wanna hear them pray. I, I, don't, I don't know, and, and I'm just going to stand over here because I'm just going to make a claim, but I just believe that God takes notice when a kid prays. <laughs> I, I just believe with everything in me, God hears and takes notice when a kid prays. That, that he just, he just I, believe that, I believe that it just moves God's hands like none other. So kids, hear me. Youth, hear me. Students in here this morning, hear me. And we need you praying for us. We need you praying for direction and wisdom here at this church. We need you praying for God to move and, and uh, meet needs. God, when we, guys, when we have people that have cancer, we want, I want kids praying like crazy for that. I want kids praying for anything and everything that's going on at this church. I just believe that God hears and takes notice when his kids will raise their voice and make their needs known. So the story goes in on in verse 8 and says, And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. I mean, does this not blow your mind? I mean these are highly trained guards and God just like sneaks him right out in front of them like he just gets him out of there and then you've got this high level prisoner and he comes to, this is I love this he just comes to this gate and it just opens it's like walking into Walmart there he goes like I just love it but that's what God does he just opens this gate no problems just like you're at the store there it come come on through man and there he goes then in verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, what they were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where, where many were gathered together and were praying. See, verse six tells us that it's night, maybe early, early morning. And what that lets us know is this, is that that is a time when most people are sleeping that's the time when most people are resting recuperating that's the time when most people are disengaged and just um, uh, just catching up on your sleep getting recharged and ready for the next day but not the church Now the church had a need and so what does the church do the church presses in and it doesn't matter what time it is it doesn't matter where where they're at none of that stuff matter. all that they know is simply this is that their brother's in trouble and that they need to step up they need to do something Normal time when people are sleeping and resting, the church is engaging. I love that. In verse 13, it says, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway, excuse me, a servant girl named uh, Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy. She did not open the gate, but ran and reported uh, that Peter was standing at the gate. She's so excited, she forgets and leaves Peter at the door. It's kind of like, uh, we were doing this thing and we were asking God to do something. Knock, 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 I'm here. Ah! And she like runs and tells everybody, everybody. Like she forgets like the one that they're praying for. She just leaves him standing there. Verse 15, and they said to her, you're out of your mind. I just love that. I mean, I don't love that. I think that's crazy. And that's usually a response for us. We pray for God to do something. He does it. crazy. You people crazy. You praying and doing your thing? They, they think she's out of her mind is what they say. It's definite that this girl needs some more sleep. And so she's just there and that happens, and, and so, but she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying it's his angel. But Peter just continues knocking like, uh, hey, you, you forgot something. I, I'm out here, when they open it, it says that they were amazed. It says that they were amazed. And verse 17 says, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. God moves, God answered. The church gets serious. The church earnestly praying, and God intervenes in a mighty way. And isn't that just like us, though, as the church? There's like a little sermonette right here in this little part. Isn't that just like us? We pray for God to heal. We pray for God to do something. He does it. We're like, nah, no way. Uh-uh. It can't be. Really? And even the little girl, girl, you crazy. She definitely needs some sleep. Somebody get her some water or something no no church we've been praying for that why would he not move why would he not we're earnestly praying and seeking God's will to be done we're earnestly praying and asking God to do an amazing work why are we surprised when he does and I don't know if you're like me but sometimes I'll kind of rationalize it away well it was just medicine yeah well God's over medicine too you know that right like he's given someone the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to make and create and do and to diagnose and to give like God's over that too Or something comes through and something happens, well, this is how you explain it away. We need to quit explaining God away and we just need to press in and believe that God's big enough to do what we're asking him to do. We need to get over ourselves and believe that our God is a God that heals, our God is a God that takes notice of when we cry out to him, when we pray to him, when we earnestly seek him and that God will move in that somehow, some way. That's where we need to be, church. That's where we need to breathe. So except for just a little brief appearance in chapter 15, what we see is Peter just kind of fades away from the scene. He just kind of fades away, and then we see this, this, the next character kind of rise up in the story. It's gonna be the Apostle Paul, and we'll dive in next week to him. But I've got two observations I wanna make real quick about prayer. The first one is this, they talked to God about something that they were afraid of. When fear struck them, when fear hit them, they talked to God about what's bothering them. See, they were afraid for their future, so what do they do? They go to God. They were afraid of what was going to happen to the church, what was going to happen to their dear brother. And so, what do they do? They go to God, the only place they know to go. So, my question for you is this what do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're afraid? just just the other other night a couple weekends ago we, we decided to do a, a movie night at the house with our boys and so we pop popcorn and we did that we have like uh, uh m&ms and all, we like, like make a popcorn bar and like we're going to do this and so we're on netflix trying to figure out what we're going to watch and so like i said three-year-old six-year-old they never agree on anything so dad gets to make the call about what we're going to watch and i'm like yes so i'm flipping through going through the netflix no no yes i found it and it was a movie called mowgli And what it is 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 the real-life version of the Jungle Book. And I'm like, this is going to be really cool, right? You've got lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. So this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. It's going to hit both of them everywhere, right? I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. They'll love the action. It's like real-life-looking animals. There's like wolf packs. There's a little boy that runs around with his shirt off and an underwear all the time. Like, this is going to be, this is right up Boy Alley. And it was until the mean tiger showed up. And the tiger ends up taking the boy's family out. And this, this uh, black panther gets the little boy, like I said, spinoff of the jungle book, gets the boy, and he takes him to a pack of wolves, and the pack of wolves, they raise him as their own. But the tiger will show up every once in a while, and there's this big anaconda, and it's like, like so, so like, this is awesome, I'm thinking, but it's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster for the three-year-old. Like, he won't sleep for weeks now. I mean, dad gets to pick one movie, and this is what happens, but the thing I love was this is like in that movie, during the scary parts, whenever fear would strike up in him, you know what he did? He ran to dad. And he would, I mean, I'm like lounging out, like taking this thing in, like, no, buddy, it's okay. No, okay, come here, come here, he's afraid. And so he would jump up and he would get in my chest and he would like bury his little head and he would just get down in there and just kind of, he'd want to look, but he was afraid to, but he'd want to. And I'm like, buddy, it's okay, it's just a movie. But the thing that I loved was this is that he would jump on dad's lap and he would just bury himself in where, a place that he felt safe a place where he felt things were okay. And church, I believe that just needs to be a picture of us with God. That's what we need to do. What do we do when we're afraid of something? We need to run to the one that can do anything. We need to bury our head in God and we need to do that by way of prayer. We need to be on our face, hearts laid out before God. We need to do the same thing, run to him. We need to talk about him. We need to tell it to God. We need to plead. We need to earnestly implore him to move. And so prayer is talking to the one whose arm controls everything. Prayer is talking to the one that can do anything about everything. That's what prayer is. So who said that no, he's, we, we talk to the one who says this, that no good thing would he withhold from those who trust him. We talk to the one who, who takes care of, of us like a father and knows when one hair from our head falls. We talk to the one who promises to direct all of our steps and lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's who we go to. That's who we seek. That's what we do the second observation that I want to make this morning about prayer is simply this, is that the church used prayer like a wartime walkie-talkie. And I just, I just stole that, that phrase right from John Piper. But that the church, we need to use prayer like a wartime walkie-talkie. What do we find the church praying about in Acts? We see them praying over and over and over about the mission of the church. See John Piper says this prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts from the den. Until you know that your life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. That's what John Piper says. Church, we're engaging in war. The church here in the book of Acts is engaged in a war. Their leader, their, the, the one that is, that, is, that is out there proclaiming, the one that is out there directing, the one that is following God in everything, the one that is their leader, their shepherd is in trouble and they need to do something. And what do they do? They get on that wartime walkie-talkie and they plea and they implore and they beg God earnestly. See, they knew it's God's will for the church to get the gospels to the ends of the earth regardless of what Herod wanted. Herod wasn't that big and bad compared to God. And they knew that. They weren't sure how it was going to happen. They weren't sure uh, if Peter would make it or not. Remember, they thought he had died when he's at the door knocking. Oh, she's crazy. It's It's just an angel or something out there. No, it's Peter because God took notice. But they knew God's purpose was for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. So they got on their knees and they begged God to make it happen. What do we as a church need to beg God for? What do we as a church need to gather around the throne of heaven and make our earnest prayers known before him? Until you know that life is war, you'll never know what prayer is for. That's what John Piper says. and How true is that, church? We are engaged in a battle every moment of every day whereby the darkness wants to to, to snuff us out, destroy us, defeat us. And so we have Peter, who is Herod's prized prisoner, just walks right out underneath Herod's nose, and it happens the night before Herod plans to kill him to try to please the Jews. So what do we have? We have Herod embarrassed. We have him upset. We have him angry. And then there's this little story tucked away at the end of chapter one. I'm not gonna take time to read it, but, but shortly after this, Herod gives this little speech and, and, he, and he tells the people. And in verse 22, the people shout out, the voice of God and not of man. What they're doing is they're trying to flatter him because they, they want something from him. And look at what God does in verse 22. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and he breathed his last. Uh, That's a little sermon in itself, is it not? You think that you're something? You think that you're somebody? You're gonna stand in front of these people and take credit and glory for everything? Oh, we've got a God that gets credit and glory for all and so he steps in and he does something about it. And then look at what happens in verse 24. The word of God increased and multiplied. The word of God continues to go on. Nothing can stop God's word from going forth. The church is going to spread. The word of God is going to spread. Whether it's rulers, murderers, prison, you name it, nothing can stop God's story from going forward. Nothing can stop it. See, God wants and desires for, uh, for us to do something for him and for his glory and for his honor. He wants the church to spread. See, church, we're here, 2019, is a result of what took place over here in the book of Acts. We're here as a result of the church praying Remember, when we see the model of what we need to do, what we need to be about as the men and women of God played out right here before us, God wants and desires us to do the same thing, to do it that way, for us to earnestly seek Him, for us to earnestly cry out to Him. So to close this morning, the moral, the moral of all of this, don't mess with the church that's on its knees. Don't mess with the church that's on its knees. Every time the church really prays in the book of Acts, it explodes. Every time the church gets serious about something and it, he, they seek God with everything in them, it takes off. Like in Acts chapter one, they pray in the upper room for 10 straight days and the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches, 3,000 are saved at Pentecost. You go on to Acts chapter four, they pray. God fills them with such boldness that they turn the city of Jerusalem upside down. And by the end of Acts chapter five, the church of Jerusalem is over 10,000 people big. Some of the harshest critics, like Jewish priests, Eventually, Paul himself comes to saving faith in Christ. You got Acts chapter 12, as we just see here. They pray and God blows up the prison and strikes down Herod. their persecutor with worms. They just strike, he just strikes him dead. God moves in a way when his church prays. Next week, as we see in Acts chapter 13, they pray and God raises up Paul to be a missionary. The greatest missionary that this world will ever know is what we're gonna look at next week. Why? Because the church starts to pray. The church needs to know how to get the message out. The church needs to know who to send out. And all of these things in the book of Acts happens because the church prays. Because the church prays. Church, what are we praying for? Church, what are we asking God to do? What are you begging and earnestly seeking God to move in such a way for his glory, for his honor, to make himself known? What, what are you approaching him for? What are you like my three-year-old climbing up on his lap and burying your head in his chest and just begging him to move in a mighty way? What are you crying out to God for? What are you asking him to do in a mighty, mighty way? I'll tell you a story real quick. On one occasion, a visiting American pastor as Charles Spurgeon, uh, the prince of preachers. Charles Spurgeon, this this mighty giant of the faith, godly man, ferocious preacher. An American pastor visits him and asks him, what's the secret to your success? He gets the man up and he walks him down to a room. He opens the door and the man looks in as they step into the room. There's 300 people praying. He says, this is the engine room. This is whereby the work gets done. This is whereby God takes notice and he moves. Not me out there preaching. Not me out there doing stuff. It's right here. This is where it starts. Church, this is where it starts for us. This needs to be us. Uh, Hear me, as your pastor, I need to do a better job of this personally. Uh, Us as a church, corporately, we need to do a better job of this as well. And so we're gonna give you opportunities to pray. We're gonna be more intentional as a church as we move forward, as we pray and ask God to give us direction, to give us wisdom, to show us what he wants. So one of the things that we're gonna start doing that we started last month is the first, uh, first Wednesday of every month, we're gonna take a break from Bible study and we're just gonna have a night of prayer whereby we come and we just lay our burdens, we lay our, our, um, uh, our knees out before our Savior and we just ask him to move. So the first Wednesday night of every month, we're gonna pray. And there'll be more stuff to come that's gonna help aid us as a church to pray. I'll tell you what what Tyler and I, we've started doing every week is getting on our face before God in this room and before this altar and asking him to move. Asking him to move in this church, to do a work in this church, to help us take the light out into the dark and to push back the dark. We're begging God to give us favor in this church. See, this week Tyler and I had the opportunity to go up to Tennessee to kind of uh, do kind of a final uh, scope out for the mission trip for the youth. And so we drive up to Kingsport and as we drive up to Kingsport uh, we go into the property where the youth are gonna be to help out with this, this summer camp. This man has, has, has got some land that he's purchasing and it's about 20 acres right now and he wants to do a summer camp up there for kids. He wants to make it a place where families can come and just retreat a little bit where kids can come through the summer and they'll have, they'll have ropes courses, they'll have zip lines, they'll have all of these different things. They'll have, they have this um, little chapel area where they can, they can have worship services and that they can learn and grow in the Lord. And so we get to go up there, church, and we get to be some of the first ones up there to help, help get this camp going. I mean, is that not a great vision to invest back into the youth of the world? Uh, to be able to pour back into to young people? And so that's his heart, that's his desire. And so, so we found out, and so we get to go up there, and we're gonna be cleaning out brush, we're gonna be hammering, we're gonna be taking some stuff apart, we're gonna be um, helping build some bunk beds, we're gonna be doing all kinds of different stuff in the morning. And then in the evening, they're going to go and they're going to get to uh, minister to the homeless population in Kingsport, get to love on those people in Kingsport and feed them and share uh, the gospel with them and have times where they get to worship together. And so they're going to get to do some of those kinds of things. But as we're there at this camp this week and we're talking to this man, it's just him and his wife that's on on the property right now. And he's totally dependent upon people coming in and helping him. Honestly, as I step back and I look at it, I'm like, dude, this seems like a lost cause. And that's where God convicted me son, that's exactly where I want to be in the midst of what appears to be a lost cause. So as we're sitting there talking to him, uh, a few months ago when we went back and we checked it out and we got to kind of observe some things and see some things and scope it out, as we're sitting there with him, we're walking and he's showing us the property and kind of showing us, and he's like, see that land over there? I'm like, yeah, he's like, a guy owns that land. I'm like, that's usually how it goes. Somebody owns property, yeah, yeah, Okay. He's like, that's just farmland. He lets people kind of uh, come on there and he'll rent it out for them to kind of raise their cow and do some different cattle kind of stuff over there. And so I said, okay, cool. He's like, so you know what I'm doing? I'm like, what's that, bud? He's like, I'm praying that God God will press upon his heart to give me 20 acres. I'm like, okay, crazy, okay, that's cool, do it. So we go back this time, and as we get to talk to him, I said, so how, how's things coming? Have you got to meet him yet? Have you got to talk to him yet? Have you got to do anything uh, to kind of get in front of this guy? He's like, no, not yet. I've got some real estate buddies that are trying to help me get before him and to talk to him and, and things like that. And he's like, but God convicted me. I'm like, okay, all right, what, what, what's, what's that mean? He's like, well, I've got another friend that's wanting to start a ministry in downtown Kingsport, said okay and he said this buddy of mine wants to start this ministry and this ministry is there's a building in downtown Kingsport um, that that used to be a not a good place um, an adult type place and so um, it's shut down and it's kind of run down and things like that and so he started to pray and my buddy wants to open up a ministry in downtown Kingsport whereby he starts a restaurant and all the homeless people, he trains them how to cook, how to serve, how to do those things to try to help get them back on their feet all the while sharing the gospel with them, investing in them, trying to disciple them so they can get back on their feet so they can uh, make something out of their situation so that they can press in and, and, um, uh, and, and try to get a job and try to, uh, to be trained in a, in a trade of some sort whereby they can be successful in life. And I'm like, that's cool. That's awesome. He said, but you know what he did? I said, what's that? He started to pray. And so he started to pray that God would just give him that building, $400,000 building. like, okay, okay. I'm like, so, so what happened? He's like, it's funny you ask that because he starts to pray and he calls the man up that owns the building. And he's like, how are you doing? Talking to him, making small talk for a second. He's like, oh, I want to ask about your building. He's like, $400,000, final offer, $400,000. That's what it's going to cost. He's like, all right, sir, I, I know that. I appreciate that. He's like, but um, weird story. God uh, wanted me to ask you just to give it to me. <laughs> he what? Not a believer. God God wanted me to ask you for that building. He's like, uh it's like silent for a minute. He's like, You there? Hello? Drop call? Hello? The guy's like, all right, okay. He's like, Well, I got another guy that's interested in it. Let me get back to you. One week goes by, nothing. Two weeks goes by, nothing. On the third week the gentleman calls him back. He's like, I couldn't get a hold of my buddy, so I talked to my guy above me that, that does all my finances and w- looks over my money. He's like, You can have it. What? You can have it. And so this guy at this camp is telling us this story, and I'm like, man, that, that, that's phenomenal, is it not? I mean, what seems to be a desperate moment in this, in this story? He prays and he asks God to give him uh, this $400,000 property in downtown Kingsport where there's this homeless population where he can invest in them. And so then listen to what happens. So the guy says, yeah, God convicted me after that. And I'm like, he did? What did he convict you of? He says, your your prayers are too small. You're asking for 20 acres. The man's got 75. Get it all. And I'm like, that is so crazy but awesome, is it not? And so he's praying right now that God would intervene, that God would move in a way, and that God would bless and give him 75 more acres. Can you imagine the cost of that? But for God, money's not an issue. God, for money, God isn't, for money, money's not an issue for God. God. God is the giver of all good things, is he not? God is in control of all things. I mean, who just gifts a $400,000 building? A non-believer to a believer. I mean, this has gotta be a God-type story. So he starts praying, and he's praying right now. So church, that's something that we can be praying for. That's a kind of crazy out there story that God would just move in a mighty way and give a, give a man, press upon his heart to give him 75 acres. And so as we close, and Franklin comes back up here, My question for us, church, what are we praying for that's crazy like that? Sometimes I believe the problem is our prayers are far too small, far too small, Not, not big enough to put God on a pedestal to really show. The only way that this can happen is if God intervenes. The only way that Peter can be set free and not have imminent death is if God intervenes. He is guarded by four professionally trained soldiers, two by which that are chained to him at all times. I mean, that is, is that not a hopeless situation? Is that not, there's no way, this man's dying tomorrow. No way. It makes no sense that God, that that he could make it. But what happens? God, God hangs out in those places that don't make sense and God moves in a way where things does not make sense. So church, what are we praying for as a church? What are we asking God? What is the crazy stuff that we're asking God to do? God to move. Let me tell you some crazy things that, after hearing this story and spending some time with this guy this week that God has pressed upon my heart for us as a church to be praying about. If, if God can give a $400,000 building away, he can definitely give us $500,000 to get out of debt, can he? I don't know. Why not? Why, why don't we ask him? As, we'll know if it's his will or not soon enough. Imagine what would happen if, if we were out of debt, what we could do. I mean, church, you are crazy. You give $1,800 to a man to go to Nepal to share the gospel, to invest in, Imagine what we could do with that. So I'm praying that God helps us get out of debt, a little over five hundred thousand. That's that's not even a drop in the bucket for Him. I'm praying, I'm praying for fifty youth right now. They're around the twenty-five mark, and I'm praying that God just blows it up. Let's double that. Let's have that kind of growth in our in our youth ministry. Tyler right now and his wife they're in they're in threes because we've got so much sickness and people are out. And so they said, hey, we'll step up. We'll go over there and serve. And so he didn't even know I'm doing this, but that's something that we can be praying about. Church is that God would allow us to continue to reach youth. My, my prayer, and, and is Ashley? Yeah, Ashley, okay, you're in here. Um, Dan's not, Nope. okay. My prayer is that God gives us 100 kids, 100 children, man. Y- y'all laugh, they're freaking out right now as it is. We've got 60, what do we do? But if that happens, that means some things are gonna have to change around here. We're gonna need more space, we're gonna need more, cl- more classrooms. We're gonna need some of that, we need more leaders. We're gonna need some of those kinds of things. So I'm praying crazy, 100 kids. I mean, who would have thought Five years ago when I got here, I think we, we had, uh, I need a fact check, probably around 15, 20. It wasn't 60. So God has just blown that ministry up. Something else that I'm praying for is 285 in this sanctuary on a Sunday morning when all the kids and everybody's gone. Because in that, that's where God starts to stir and causes us to be a little uncomfortable. And I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know the time frame, but I know God's, God's got it all planned out when we're gonna plan a church from this church, what that's gonna look like, what that's gonna mean. And so we just wanna press in and we just wanna ask God to show us, to help us see, to, to help us know what to do. So I'm praying for 285. I'm praying that God would allow, and what that means is this, is it's not just about a number, it's just not about a, a butt in a seat. What that simply means is this, with 285, there is, a, there is a soul connected to 285. And what that means is simply this, every person matters and every one of those people get to hear the gospel week in and week out, get to, get to serve and give their life away, get to be discipled, all the while being able to go out and do that with somebody else. So that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for the 285, for the church paint that God would show us where, that God would show us when. And I'm praying that he would do it in a way that makes absolutely no sense to anybody in this room, including myself. I'm asking that he would step up in a mighty way and do something in us as a church that makes absolutely no sense in this world. Because what I see in the book of Acts here this morning is simply this, is that the church prays for something that's crazy. And I met a man this week that pray, is praying for something that's crazy, that's seen God do crazy things. And so church, I'm asking you to get crazy with me. That's what I'm asking. And all my crazy brothers laugh because I know you're with me. And where we start with getting crazy is just praying for God to do something like that. God to move in such a way. And hear me, children. Hear me, youth. I need you guys praying too. It needs to be us earnestly before God praying and asking him to move in a mighty, mighty way. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know how crazy you want to get. But man, if if you're looking for a crazy place, this is it because I believe God's going to do something that he wants to do something. And the way that he's going to do that is by us as the men and women of God getting serious about approaching his throne and and earnestly seeking him in all things. So will you join me as a church as we pray for these things, for God to move, all about his gospel, going to a lost world, making known the truth of who he is, setting captives free. That's what we're praying for. God, help us in this place to pray outside of ourselves. Help us in this place. God, and those may even be too small of prayers. Those may even be too small of a prayer. God, help us pray things that are going to give you glory and honor, God, when you move, that that it can't be rationalized, that it can't be explained away, God, but that that you have to get honor and glory. God, we want no credit, no credit for any of it. God, we pray that it's you and only you that gets honor and glory. So God, help us to be serious about seeking your face. God, help us be serious about praying God-sized prayers. God, we want it to be the middle of the night and we are on our face before you, asking you to move in a way that seems impossible. Jesus, we believe that we're here as a result of that. God, the prayers that Bill prayed, our founding pastor prayed, that his family invested in. God, we believe that we are sitting here today at 350 Old Furnace Road as a result of praying crazy prayers. And so God, help us not to lose sight of that. Help us not to lose the reality behind that and help us to be be seeking you with everything in us. God, may it be one of those things when New Life Baptist Fellowship prays, all of heaven takes notice. All of heaven takes notice. And God, may we get this world's attention for your glory and for your honor. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. I'm asking if you'd stand. Franklin's going to lead us for a moment in a time of uh, worship. If you want to come down and pray, maybe for some of these things that I mentioned, maybe for uh, just something ins- what seems to be insurmountable in your life, man, this altar is here. You come pray. We'd count it an honor. If you want to know about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, man, I will be here. Anything that we can do to serve you, this altar is open. You be obedient to God's